Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving the perspective on the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and the meaning about it all. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, and my kind of say about Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. Let's get into some things, some yeah, good man. topics today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we're in the second half of, uh, of um, uh, you know, the, the last stretch of the NBA season right after All-Star breaks. So, so, so it's kind of getting into, into the final tune-ups after the playoffs. <clears throat> Um, also, we're going to get into some album reviews, and in the second half, we're going to do a review of the new Ant-Man movie. Um, to start off with just thoughts on, on LeBron's injury and, and him being away for several weeks, um, this report came Monday after uh, his foot injury was revealed to be more serious, told by ESPN's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, and this took place during their game versus the Mavericks uh, this past Sunday. In, a, in addition to that, um, you know, the, the Lakers announced, you know, uh, D'Angelo Russell was also, also having some injury issues, but... Um, and, and they recently, you know, last night they, they did they did have a, a road win against OKC and um, lost against Memphis earlier this week. But in terms of what this means for L.A., because we rarely see LeBron out for an extended period of time. But right. this is the type of, you know, moment and, and just stretch for the season for the Lakers where they really don't have that much margin for error for them to get into the play in or even the playoffs. Yeah. To, him getting injured right now is his worst case scenario for the Lakers. Yeah. Just giving. They're already against so much. There's so many barriers trying to get into the play-in and then obviously trying to get into the stretch of the playoffs. Without LeBron James, their record has not been really good since he's been with the Lakers. So without him, and then you get your newfound uh, member, well, I guess remember, with D'Angelo Russell, him being banged up a little bit. I don't know if they they had 19 games left. Uh, It's going to be tough. tough. It's really, really tough. If D'Angelo Russell doesn't come back, then, then I don't think they'll get be able to go into the play-in. Just looking at, he has to be three weeks out to get a reevaluation. LeBron right. James is going to miss about 10 games. And those 10 games, they're playing some really good basketball teams. Mm-hmm. So to be able to say they're going to be okay without LeBron and, and able to get into play-in, it's, it's a stretch. Just giving the rotational guys, the pieces that are still missing with the addition with D'Angelo Russell, I just don't think they're going to be able to get into that play-in unless LeBron James takes some rejuvenation or rehabilitation juice or something in the next week or so for him to get back uh, before that three-week evaluation. But, man, it's going, to be, it's going to be tough, tough road ahead. So they better get used to it because LeBron is leaving in the next year or so because obviously Bronny is coming to the league. So right. get ready. And this is also one of those things where, like, the even – even at the, the 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 caliber um, that LeBron is at, and in terms of ev- everything that he can do, even this season being one of his best statistically, like when you're at the age he's at, like injuries are gonna come. Like even yeah. even when he's like sustained so much uh, in the past, like do you feel as though it's one of those things where like we're so you know it's so foreign to foreign to us to hear him being injured that it actually we have to realize he is getting up there in age, and this comes with the territory of being in the league for so long. Well, not the past five years. I think before then, yeah, you know, LeBron yeah. James has kept his body in such a great condition. And that, and that's a testament to how much money, I think it's what, a million dollars a year he puts in his body. So just being able to do that. But the past five years, one season, he was technically out for the entire season. Mm-hmm. I think it was, what, 2021, 22, or whatever, yeah. right after yeah, the bubble. The Hawks. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. then he's been banged up ever since then. So it's not like, oh, it's a surprise. We know he's been in the league for X amount of years. Mm-hmm. So it's just 
what how can they withstand without him and i think the record is like crazy like 36 and something without lebron james and it's i forgot the numbers but the numbers are staggering so they're not successful when he's not on the court right and they're not being successful when he's on the court just throw that out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised though. I mean, we we understand that he's in a later of his career, but the yeah. past five years has been kind of like, oh man, it's been the, rocky. the age is getting there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into Damian Lillard, 71 points versus the Rockets, um, this past Sunday, and, and just also thoughts on him, you know, being you know one of the most underrated stars in the league. Um, the, the uh. Against the, the Rockets, he, he set a, a franchising career high with 71 points and 13 three-pointers uh, three and a 131-114 to 114 win. Um, he also became the, the eighth different player uh, to score 70 points in NBA history. And this is, you know, we've seen, obviously, a scoring boost this year. Yeah. Uh, we've seen multiple players um, have, like, career highs. Even Donovan Mitchell uh, got close to 70. Joel Embiid had, had 60 at one point. We're seeing so much scoring ha- happen at, at a high clip. Um, for for a lot of individual players, like in terms of Damian Lillard and what he does, because we all know like he's one of the most loyal players in the league. Yeah. He stayed with Portland. Um, that's that's the team he always wants to be with. What are your thoughts on this performance and just what he's what he always does with Portland, um, even if they can't be that that title contender? I mean, amazing performance first and foremost. But you know that the one of the most underrated players. I think everybody knows the uh, significant value that. Damian Lillard has, but it's it's more so for me, identify him as another statistical guy, right? Statistical basketball player who pulls up these big numbers, but not anything in the postseason. He hasn't been to the NBA Finals yet. It can be a testament to the the people they put around him. I mean, they had CJ, CJ McCollum, a lot of rotational guys before you know they trade him away to the the pelicans but it's just like yeah I, I, i'm numb to this high scoring dame time three-point shooting we know he's not underrated we know how good he is it's just like him not being able to get get to the postseason and be and be really really good in the postseason it's kind of overshadowing the 71 points that's cool you know, that's that's amazing. You're going to be another statistical guy who can't win a championship. And I think we give him a pass because he is loyal. And I think a lot of players were loyal to their teams and got fed up because they weren't making the right moves in the and then the front office to get those championships. Statistics and stats and all those stuff are good. But at the end right. of the day, this is a this is a basketball. This this is a team sport. We want to win a championship. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of, you know, a little over it. <laughs> oh, now, I want to say over it. I'm hesitant to say he's one of the most underrated players when we know how good he really is. But right. the the whole organization with Trailblazers, I think, overshadows and him becoming just another statistical guy. Can he can he get to the postseason, or will he leave so he can get a championship? And I think once he gets that championship, or even gets to the NBA Finals, then. Still, I want to call him the, one of the most underrated. I mean, I, we know how good freaking Damian Lillard is, man. Yeah, the, the guy's a monster, man. man but with yeah, seventy-one and, points, and, and, I, and, I, and what I mean by underrated is like compared to the guys who get talked about more. Because like we know at the end he's of the day, injured. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Be, be, because it's it's that's another thing. The injury, you know, the the setbacks at, at certain points. Because like other guys are going to get talked about more when they're in the yeah. when they're playing in May and June. That's just natural for, uh, for, for, for that to happen and 
and especially w- with this franchise. But in, in terms of like the mentality, because like he said the thing about Russell Westbrook, he said Russell Westbrook moved four times. Look where he's at. I, I, sometimes it's inter- it's, it, it's it was an interesting comment because it's just like you. Well, what about KD? KD's moved around. <laughs> it's just you're picking certain players that are moved around, but it's just like for Westbrook, it, it's never been a good fit. Like wherever he's been. Because the type of player he is, man, the, the slasher player and the guy that had needs the ball in his hands. And, you know, I think eventually, well, now I think he's at that mentality of where I'm a rotational guy. I'm, I'm a support supporting cast guy. So when he went to the Rockets, uh, when he was, um, you know, even when PG was still with the Oklahoma, uh, well, OKC, OKC. Yeah. I think it was more so of him still not understanding his decline as a as a player. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it was a mentality thing for uh, Russell Westbrook, but for KD, I think that he just went his his opportunity was better because it was free agency. So he got to choose where he yeah. wanted to go in in, in, in most space. Russell Russell has been traded. A plethora of times, so he didn't never had a choice of where where he wanted to go. I think if he would have went, chose a place to go, I think it would have been a better situation for him. But since he was traded to those multiple teams, I think it was a a, a situation where it's out of his control, and then he just has to adapt to wherever he goes. Even with the Wizards, I thought that was a terrible place for him to go. But yeah, I don't think he that was the worst place he could have went. I think Rockets could have worked out a little better, but the Wizards situation was. By, by far the worst place to <laughs> yeah. end up ended up, but yeah, I think it's different. It, it, it's different for but KD. His situation was a lot better because he got to choose where to go. Even when he left uh, yeah. the Warriors, he Take chose to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, he, so he was a little bit in a better situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting in, into the Knicks' current success and, and some of the, big, the the biggest reason for it. Um, they're currently fifth in the East and, and had a major win over Boston uh, this past Monday night. They've also been. Uh, six and zero since since acquiring Josh Hart. Yes, um, and looking at this team, like it definitely seems like after the trade deadline, because there's always like a couple of teams that after that deadline they look a lot better. They look, better, they look yes. different. Uh, they seem more rejuvenated and just and just you know having better team chemistry. To you, like what are, what are your thoughts on you know the success that, that they've been having and you know some of the some of the reasons for it. You know, you, you look at their roster, It's a, it looks like a bunch of supporting cast players, right? You got Jalen Bruns, who had a, a phenomenal year. Then he, he goes to the New York Knicks. You still got Mitchell Robinson coming off a great, great last season, but has been banged up this year. But he's not the guy who's going to give you 20, 25 points. He's the actual uh, uh, Pensacola native. And yeah. then you go get Josh R, who's another sort of kind of supporting cast guy. But right. then... Tom, I mean, Thibodeau is, is not, not a guy who's not unfamiliar with bringing people together to play team basketball and kind of fine tuning them during the season. Now, I'm going to say they never finish. We that put that true. out there. They never <laughs> finish, but he's a really his biggest asset or his business, biggest bill, uh, his greatest ability as a head coach is bringing supporting cast players or t- players that you have never thought would would I be would good. And, yeah, yeah, would mesh and and get fine tuning them to buy in, but they never finish. But I think it, it, it starts with you know even uh, Randall who has 
had some rejuvenation this season and has spurts of re- having great stretches a couple a month or two, but then he'll go back into the supporting cast play. Um, but I think right now they're in a great groove. They were doing really good right before the all-star break. And now you go before the trade line to get Josh R, who I think is a good ass. I don't understand why the Lakers let him get out like I thought he That's was a great addition for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Now the Knicks are uh, benefiting from from that from from that trade. But no, I think there's it's a bunch of supporter cast players that, and then Tom Thibodeau kind of bringing them together and, and get it on the same page, and they play great team basketball. What I love, and we're gonna get with we talk about the the Kings too. Both of those teams, what I love about them, they they're post heavy first. Finish yes. at the rim, heavy first, and then three point shooting, yeah. uh, stretching it out. Then after. that, then that comes after. Yeah. I think the mindset is more old school, more team basketball. A lot of ball movement for both of these teams. And I think that's the difference. I think a lot of a lot of teams just go hell bent on just you know shooting themselves out of a <laughs> out of a slump, and I don't think that's yet. Yeah, I don't think that's good. But I, that's what I love about these two teams. They, they use Mitchell Robinson a lot. They use use a lot of big guys in the post, and then obviously Jalen Brunson is still playing lights out. Um, Josh Hart is is coming in and getting acclimated and, and being a, a good supporting cast. But I, you know, I think that's that's the mo. Like they don't have big name guys there at all. I, I yeah, there's not like that one like you know, um, just core or, or high level player that everybody is gonna get is gonna draw attention to. Because like you look at the last few seasons, they've been trying to like get stars. They tried yeah. to get Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, he said recently, he said in an interview with JJ Redick that I thought I was going to go there. Like I literally thought like that was a team I was gonna gonna head to because there's so many stories about the Knicks almost getting the stars and then yeah. they end up somewhere else <laughs> and I think it's all in like because I know from other front office like general managers they know if they send the Knicks are on a they've been on a come up for a while oh, yeah. but if they get two more pieces like maybe an A-lister maybe even a B-lister I think I'll give Jalen yes I think Randall and uh, Jalen Brunson are B-list players, right? I think Josh Hart is a C player. Mitchell Robinson is is in between that B and C. If they get an A-lister who can come in, it doesn't have to, he could be a veteran guy. He doesn't have to be just he could be a three-point shooter. I think that'll bring them over the edge. That's they're really, really close. They're close. Yeah. I don't really, think people talk about really that close. now. The Knicks are really close. And I know uh, Spike Lee is in love with it, but like they've been really close for a while. But I think if yeah. they get an A lister, they haven't had an A lister since what Mellow. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, since Mellow was there. So if they once they get an A lister, and I think Donovan Mitchell is an A lister, I think that would have put them over yeah. the top too, especially with Jalen Brunson, Randall pl- you see playing what Donovan Mitchell four. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, so I think that would have been a. But they, Jazz understood. They was like, if we sit him there, yeah. oh wow. We got to have to, <laughs> there's going to be some trouble. So I, at the end of the day, they try to try to balance it out. But if they get a list, I think they'll be fine. But the Knicks are playing good team basketball, a lot of ball movement, a lot of finishing at the rim, putting the, creating their own shots, doing a one-two plunge. And I think that's what's keeping them in the, um, in the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, not, and now getting into to the Sacramento Kings being a third seed and Mike Brown's just a, a great coaching this year. Their offense has been unstoppable for the majority of the season. And they do have one of, 
one of the biggest contrasts because you know this is a, a top scoring team, but the the, the, yeah. the defensive struggles is one of the the things that kind of keeps them back at, at, at times for for like really being consistent, and that's kind of what we see like scoring 176 points and then you give up 175 points uh in, in this yeah. era but but what are your thoughts on sacramento you know being a top three seed and and just you know what's been so different for for, for them this year especially with what mike brown's been implementing first they're 26 in the league allowing i think what yeah 118 points a game yeah. that's crazy so they they're first in points in the yeah, league, average 120 <laughs> points. So it kind of balanced each other yeah. out. So I guess I'll start there. But man, first of all, hats off to Mike Brown and just yeah, bringing his career back, being an assistant coach for a couple teams, and then now you get your shot to be a head coach. And I think Mike Brown was always a good coach, especially with the Cavaliers. I really loved him with the Cavaliers and what he what he did there and his stint there. But Man, what the Kings are doing, I, I want to highlight one player. Obviously, we've been talking about Darren Fox. Yeah. Um, it's a, obvious. You know, Harrison. It's two, well, two, two guys. Two guys, right? Keegan Murray, rookie, has been playing great basketball, front court and back court. I think he is the, the guy, the, the guy who has been very, really, 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 very, really, very, really good. I thought you liked that one. But he's been, dude, dude. right before the break, he's been playing great defense. He's been giving like nine points a game, just getting in space, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, giving them second chances on the boards. I think that's what really kind of ignited everything. And then obviously Darren, Darren Fox. I mean, he's been playing lights out. Finally, I think, you know, I think it was uh, January they were playing really good and right, you know, right for the break and now after going into the final stretch. But man, one player that I think has been really, really good for them is Harrison Barnes. We forgot about him, man. I, man, really have. We forgot about Harrison Barnes after he left, and we thought he's going to be one of those guys who's going to go off and be something without the Golden State Warriors. Did not pan out with the with the Mavericks, and he goes to the Kings, and he's been playing quiet basketball, consistent basketball. He's always been a three point threat. And I think he's really good, um, g- really good in space. So, like, they have some some similar pieces, and I think their bench is pretty good. Uh, Malink Monk, I, I really like him coming off. Um, after you know, it's uh, Damian Mitchell was another one I think has been playing good off the uh, off the bench coming in the second, like late first quarter, early second quarter, and, and just kind of subbing in. I he think stretches. they have good, yeah, rotational players. Yeah. But Keegan Murray. And Harrison Barnes, I feel like, has been that really good igniter for the front court and the back court. And then we all know De'Aaron Fox has that dog in him that we've been oh, yeah. trying to get awakened for so many years. Yeah, and now he has, yeah, we knew it was that now he has the, the wrist injury. So he's still going to play um, tomorrow, but we have to watch out for that. He's been playing lights out. Then you get injured. And then that's the, that's the, the terrible cycle when a player starts getting in his groove right before and after the break, then the injury. So hopefully, it's almost yeah. like that that like that similar thing that happens with John Morant, where he's just he's so fast as a player and like always in go mode that you yeah. worry about how he's gonna because he had he almost had, had a uh, significant injury in the game against the Lakers where he like he had yes. a major dunk then came down super hard, but he has like such an aggressive game yeah. and plays super fast. Like we, we saw with Derrick Rose, like. 
when, when you have the, these guys who are like super athletic guards and go super fast, but sometimes don't have the restraint um, in terms of, uh, in terms of just like when they can reel their game in, like, what are your thoughts on just ways they can players like that can improve just the nature of being careful? Cause injuries happen at any point, but sometimes your level of play and just how hard you go. Cause when you, they, these guys rarely take, you know, possessions off and are just constantly in go mode. I think that's kind of hard to do when that's your, your style of play. Like Russell Westbrook is another one. They're, they're a slash type players, guys that love finishing at the rim with energy, with passion. Yeah. It's like poetry in motion when they, you can create it and do the one, two game. It's kind of hard to stop that. That's their, that's yeah. their MO. So I, mean, I think, who you if are. You, yeah, it's who you are. And then once you, you try to not be that type of player, then it's a mental game. Then you're not being not, then you're like second guessing your shot, second guessing uh balls. Like it's so it's it's a it's a risk factor. And I think they they come to terms with me. I this is my this is my play and I'm I possibly may get hurt from it. But I don't want them as a player to kind of try to change who they are. And then it's a mental, you know, I've seen a lot of you look at uh, Markel Fultz. He's he's one of the big, his shot and them not believing in him. And then it's a mental game. I can't shoot anymore, blah, blah, blah. Now it just, they got to give him his flowers eventually because oh, he's yeah. playing really good basketball with the Magics. But I think you don't want it to become a mental game. And then it takes away from how good of a player you really are. Yeah. Definitely, and, and, and before we move on, even with what we're seeing with the Warriors, they've they've they're, they've been on a five game win streak. Uh, Clay has had some really impressive scoring performances, and they're and they're still waiting for Steph to get back. Like, what are your thoughts on what the Warriors are doing currently? And just like this is obviously a team that we know can 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 turn it on at any point, but mm-hmm. the one domino was obviously Steph, and how yeah. can, can can Steph stay healthy? Because like this team can can, can can compete with anybody. But it almost feels as though it's been one of those seasons where they're trying to, you know, defend their title. But it's just when, you know, a, a year clouded with injuries and kind of inconsistency at times, especially when they're playing on the road. Yeah. And I think the, they've never been this bad playing on the road. And I think Ever. that's one of the red flags. Road this year. <laughs> yeah, they're a great uh, road team. But with that, I to still be number five in the West right now, I think they're in a really great spot. That's a, that's a win. Because... If they can coast and stay in the number five spot and Steph comes back fully healthy, Clay's fully healthy, they're going to give a run for their money to any team they face. So for them to be terrible on the road, for them to have multiple injuries and still be number five, man, that is (laughs) amazing. (laughs) That is crazy. So I think they're in a good space, a good spot. So if they can creep up to number four, Five, I, I think the they just gotta the, stay in that four or five range, honestly. Yeah, and, I think and they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Even if they slip to number six, because the Clippers are number six right now. Even if they slip that, because I think the Phoenix Sun is gonna make a make a run <clears throat> in the coming weeks with Katie being back. Yeah. Um, and I think he's I think he's back healthy now. He looked really good. They look really good. Uh, Chris Paul and um. Devin Booker, That's Chris Paul scary. was on a facilitating terror. That's all he's gonna have to do now is facilitate. <laughs> That's, That's all. That's all. <laughs> like, I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> Slow manage it, and then it was one play where he came down, and I guess Devin Devin was like slow playing down the the court, and he was just like slow playing and dribbling, and he just tossed in Devin Booker. 
This is gonna be Stupid some beautiful easy. basketball to watch. This yes, is it is. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna go on a stretch. So I think they'll move Phoenix to move up to number three. I think Sacramento will hit a snag here shortly because I think they're running out of juice. Because if that's a terrible sign for De'Aaron Fox to have a, a stretch like that, and then they have a wrist injury, which I think is gonna plague them tomorrow. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I think Phoenix will move up. Golden State will either go four or five. And still high on the, are you still high on the Nuggets? Yeah, I'm yeah. still high on the uh, Nuggets. I I think I'm I'm more so uh, changing my mind about the Dallas Mavericks. Them being at uh, number seven, they're in a good spot too. Because yeah. if I think Phoenix goes up, Sacramento, yeah, yeah, I think they're finally starting to click a little bit. Because it's gonna take some time. He never played with a guy like that. New system, new players, and yeah, it's gonna it's be different. But I, yeah, yeah, but I think Dallas is gonna uh, slip up there and get in that top top six shortly. Yeah, Phoenix definitely. goes up. Yeah, yeah. Um, go to stand stand. Yeah, absolutely. And now getting to our first album review with Style South Pizza called Wolf is Wolf. Um, in his latest and 15 album, this 13 track offering uh boast production from from some frequent uh, collaborators, and there are also four tracks from legendary producer uh Benny Idol. Um Styles also gives raw bars uh, raw bars about street life and his kind of you know veteran status. But uh, you know, this is especially w- w- with the rapper who who's been in the game so long, his 15th album. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? And also, you know, when an artist is still putting out music at um, the point of his career he's at, w- where he's been doing this for so long and, and is, you know, still trying to collaborate with, with different producers and artists. That verse is, is, is really keeping them relevant. That versus versus Dipset. <laughs> yeah. And not saying that's a bad thing, because, you know, this is hip hop, man. Oh yeah, Styles P, Jada Kiss, all those guys. The lock, I would just say the locks and all those. I I have to say I'm old school, but those guys can still rap. But that style of rap is not as popular. So that versus really kind of kept them in that zone where oh, I could release another album because people are you know searching for who the locks, who's who's members of the locks. So I think you know there was a that, whole generation, a whole generation, new generation yeah. that was just searching like who are these guys? <laughs> right. So a lot of lot of younger generations searching about Nas and listening yeah. to Nas and going to his concerts and stuff. Yeah. So I think now people are hearing the 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 foundation of hip hop. And now they're they're starting to get enticed by it and starting liking it. So now I think the verses really kind of gave them a, a angle to be able to draw, especially uh, Styles P, because Styles P still fire, Jada Kiss oh, yeah. is still fire, those guys. But yeah, but I think that's what gave him that that room to like drop another album. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point because like these verses, like we even from the the Teddy Riley one to Babyface. And like people going back to Babyface's catalog and what he's done and, and everything like that, just there's just a, you know even when we had the the Earth Wind and Fire and 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 and, and uh, the Isley Brothers, Isley like there's Brothers, just, yeah, there's just so much, and you're like, oh, like this is this is timeless music. Like, do you feel as though even the concept of versus, like, what are what are your thoughts on on just what that has done for certain artists, you know, older artists, and also like, you know, what are some some future verses that you think like, yeah. These are ones that we should see in the culture culture needs. Yeah, I mean, with that, because you as a younger generation, I would say, because we we know of these people because we kind of grew up in that fine-tuned years of like, okay, we got this side of music, this side, we know about this. Our parents are this mm-hmm. or they. So for the younger, younger generation, for them to get an opportunity to hear that music, because they're our generation who's fathering mother in that generation really are listening 
mm-hmm. to that music anymore or around their kids and the and their generation has their own sound of music so they're obviously going to be more attached to that but to give them the opportunity to listen to Earth, Wind & Fire and Ozzy Brothers who had their R&B just whole music thing on it <laughs> yeah and you look at producers and then the Neo and I think it was Neo and T- no not Neo and T-Pain it was Neo and somebody else was going at it. Then you have T Pain and Lil John. No, was it? It was one of those. And then you had Timberland and like so. You saw mm-hmm. all these verses gave the the other generation because we're just like like at all in the moment because we know we listen to yeah. the music. So <laughs> the next generation the opportunity to hear that type of music and right. be relevant. Don't have to go dig for this whole verses. You can hear who these people are. Mm-hmm. So um, I think. The verses is playing a vital role for the next the, the the next generation to listen to understand how that music and what the music they listen to has evolved, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a couple of verses that I'm, I'm I'm looking to like you know somebody go with Drake. I think Drake and Lil Wayne would be a good one. You know, mentor versus mint and mentee. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say who would go against Busta Rhyme? That's kind of difficult. I'm gonna tell you, that's gonna be a tough battle for anybody, bro. That's hard, bro. That's gonna be tough for anybody. There's, there's nobody that you could put their catalog with that just be like, yeah, well, they can go toe to toe. It's there's nobody. I would love to see somebody go with the Fugees, like that. You know those groups. So it's just like those that type of music, or even like Slick Rick is somebody like you know what I'm saying, like that type of hip hop, like. You know, Slick Rick still is, I feel like, is is relevant because he had that that storytelling style. And he had the bling. He had the, he was like the epitome of hip-hop, New York. So um, there's a lot of verses that we probably won't be able to, like Chris Brown. Who's going to go against Chris Brown? They said Usher. I mean, like, Usher got a catalog, but Chris Brown got an extensive catalog. Chris Brown been in the game since he was, like, 16. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Chris Brown. Like, that's really the thing with him. It's just, like, he keeps putting out making music. music. Yeah, just making music. Like that's Usher has really, been, really good. <laughs> yeah, Russia has been like. I mean, his catalog is extensive, but like now there, there is a generation that will be upset with us for for picking Chris right. Brown. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably pick Chris Brown over Usher because he's not retired. Like obviously, Usher can make music, but he's not making there's, music. There's songs from Breezy he can he can put on there. Like, <laughs> off. If we, if this, oh, this is crazy. His features alone will kill somebody. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not even his personal catalog. His like features, like, hey, that's, that's I mean, a different flex. <laughs> that's a different, whole different flex, man. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. Give the next generation opportunities to to hear the evolution of different styles of music. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and now I'll get into our next review with, with the Alchemist's latest album, the, the Alchemist Sandwich. This compilation includes two new tracks in addition to the producers' uh, Lunch Meat and Bread EPs from 2018. And, he, you know, he shows again, you know, we, we mentioned a lot about him as he, he's one of the greatest producers to ever touch a studio. And he's also great at, at pulling the top tier of MCs together. Um, what were your, your thoughts on this project and, you know, some of the artists uh, that we see on it? Because it, it is familiar artists that, that yeah. we're used to seeing uh, collaborate with the Alchemist, but he just has this this certain touch with his music um, and just his production that is just very unique. Yes, bro. Like I'm a highlight really like there's this, this production was crazy. The intro was crazy. Just the way he hears sounds. And it's like, 
just a studio it's, session with him would be incredible. <laughs> incredible, bro. It's I know it would be like a mind bodily experience, but it would be like an outer body experience as well. So you just look at the way he. It's like when a uh, a saxophone. It was a video I was watching. A saxophone player like sound like he was playing the wrong notes, mm-hmm. and then he was just and they were like, "Ooh, like that's." It sounds like it's the wrong note, but it sounds so like pleasing. Right. Like you would never put these sounds together to make a beat. It's like he's in the same realm as Jay Dilla. I've listened to Jay Dilla sample some of the most craziest things to create this. I'm like, how do you hear this? So for I was mentioning that a couple of episodes ago, Jamil, like uh, the, the Donuts album, like skill, 31 tracks. How? Like I don't even get how? it. I don't even get it. Bro, that to be able, yeah, that's, you're on a different planet. Both of those guys, like both of those guys, rest in peace to Jay Dilla, Alchemist, yeah, bro, your flowers have been given to you time and time again. But yeah, like the one song I'm a highlight for sure, just like the way he did it, the hopeless romantic with Action Bronson. Oh my God. How he kind of like let the beat, like it was like a roller coaster. Like it let the beat just fall. And it sounded like it was acapella, but you can hear it. <laughs> And then it'll pick back up, and then and he's still flowing. Like the flow is amazing, but to be able to that's 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 crazy. Yeah. It's not acapella. He didn't drop the beat. He did not drop the beat. It was like, yeah, bro. I was like, bro. I wish, I wish I was that. I wish I could do that. Like, <laughs> bro, that's insane. I wish you could give that's me a beat. Music, you're like, I wish I had that. <laughs> yes, because you have to be in a realm. That's not here to make stuff like that, bro. To be, have that ear for music and ear for like, and it makes me wonder, like, did he do that after Action laid his latest tracks and he went back and kind of like, okay, I feel like, like this can be like, because I know he's a perfectionist. <laughs> no, I know, bro. I know he's a perfectionist. Like, yeah. And just yeah. watching, yeah, bro, yeah. This whole, yeah. West Gun was was crazy on here. Earl Sweatshirt, bro. I'm slowly becoming a fan. School Scoop Q uh song was really fire. Um Massacre with Styles P's and Buddy Butcher. I was like, oh my gosh. Benny, Benny was tough. Styles P was just like it's just given. This Styles. I was just it's, tough, man. <laughs> it, was, it was 10 songs, bro. Concise beats yes. fire. It's like just what we wanted. We always yes, just wanted yes, bro. <laughs> It is definitely a sandwich. Like he's, yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's title. a chef, bro. Yeah, perfect title. He's a, he's definitely a chef. What a, what a album this was. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, and now getting into our next review with, with, with Black's latest single, "Since I Have a Lover." Um, in this new single and title track ahead of his album dropping March twenty fourth, um, Black said himself, "Quote: Since I Have a Lover, the title track is the highs of having a healthy love." Impressing to song format, end quote. And this is also uh, going to be his first album since East Atlanta Love Letter. Uh, Back in 2018, I think this is the first time we've ever even reviewed anything yes. from Black, which actually said which actually crazy. crazy. <laughs> no, no, did we? Re- no, we did not. We no, we no, we yeah, no. We did I was not just looking at that. I was like, I, we have never reviewed anything from it, which is it, it, it completely insane. But what were your thoughts yeah. on this on this single, and just you know uh, the preparation for for his his, his next um, upcoming album uh, dropping March 24th? I make mean, this this track was different from his <clears throat> normal style, like yeah. for him, because he'll feature on like a song like this, like he's done some reggae stuff or just like some dance hall type music, and but this was like a different feel, and it kind of like it was like okay, I'm gonna give it a check, and then I started liking it the I middle like and the tail end. I thought it was dope. <laughs> 
It got saved for sure. It's, it's, it's in the it's, 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 it's in the library. Yeah, I thought it was different. So it's it's making me excited. He's he's kind of like being versatile more in his style of music, and I'm very excited. This first and foremost, we have to say it as well into. This was a single song. Yes, that was the first. When I when I pressed play, I was like, I know this is a single song. I got this one right. <laughs> single song. Great yeah. job. Great. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, obviously, he's not going to. Like, he's, I don't know. He's just, his style of music, bro, he's he's different. I don't hear anybody that sounds like black. So, that's the um, thing. That, that's yeah, the thing that gets me. Because, like, even I was recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, re-listening to East Atlanta, Lo- East Atlanta Love Letter. And I'm just like, I can't compare this guy to anybody else. Like, like mm-hmm. when, when an artist has a gift like that in terms of because like so many times on, on this on this podcast, we compare artists like, oh, yeah, like they're sounding like a older version or younger version of this. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think that means in terms of just like what his approach is and just like his his inspiration is? I know he's inspired by other people, but he really is setting his own path. Man, that's, it's a rare commodity to have to not sound like anybody else in music because, bro, it's, it's not that much you can do with music as an artist, as a lyricist. Like it's. The topics are the same. The the some of the concepts are similar to other people, but I think your DNA is what makes you unique. Yeah. And some people really want to confine themselves with other people's DNA. And I think when it's real like that in Black's case, bro, is he just? I don't think he's trying to be different. Actually, that's that's Cap because in one of his um one of his albums, he was like, man, I'm not trying to, people want me to do this and do that. Cause if I do that and it goes really good, then people will want me to do that exact same. So he does want to be different. And I think that's his problem is MO. Cause he did say that in one of his albums, the album that he had, um, um, with J Cole, with, um, the one right before, um, he sent a love letter. Was it, uh, where's black? Oh my gosh. Um, Let's see. Uh, I feel like I should be more prepared for this if I'm going to bring it up. Um, e- no, yeah, East Atlanta. We are talking about. I'm thinking you're talking about um six piece hot EP, but no, East Atlanta love letter. Yeah. yeah. So he talks about it in there, and then he also talks about in the the first album that we kind of know who um he is. So um, but yeah, man, to him to be. To, to see, hey, this I don't want to be like Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you, because I was about to ramble a little more. <laughs> Yo, no, this is this. I just like when this dropping it at the top of the month, and then yeah. like I'm doing it later. This gives us a few weeks to get used to the song, and just yes. what the overall album is going to be. I, I think this is definitely because you know we mentioned we've had some even last week the Don Toliver album. Still listen to uh, 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 listen to that project. There, you know. Fire. Just yeah, a, a fire project. But but I definitely think uh this one later can also be a really good one. Yeah. Fan. I'm a fan. I can say I'm a fan of Don Tolliver now. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I am a fan. That Charlie Wilson song, man. Oh <laughs> Bro, I'm still mad at Charlie, bro. Stop talking to third person. Charlie, get out of here. <laughs> Shut up. But no, that's fire. Yeah, I'm mean, yeah, definitely excited for what Black is gonna do and yeah. he's gonna show his new album. Absolutely. Um, and now we get into our last review with the Mob Deep's the infamous uh, throw throwback review. And in this album, you know, it's just an undeniable old school classic. Um, Prodigy and Havoc both pull their own weight as Prodigy comes with amazing storytelling, smooth flows, and elite lyricism. And you know, there's just so many different things to highlight in it. You know, whether it be the lavish productions, at 808 instrumentals, and just a handful of great verses. But in an album like like this, that that I feel as though it's just a moment in time, like like a time capsule, really. 
I feel as though when it dropped, it probably j- just w- was one that instantly influenced the culture. Like, like, what are your thoughts on looking back at this album and just, you know, where it stands even today? Man, uh, listen to this is like nostalgic for sure, especially in the 90s, man. Um, yeah. Just that style of music. Because it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's more indigenous to obviously, um, if I'm not mistaken, Mob Deep is from the West Coast. I believe they're from the East Coast. Is it from the East Coast? <laughs> I feel as though they are. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me do they're some research. Thank you, go. I thought they were from like the West Coast, but they might be from Brooklyn and New York or whatever. But anywho, their this their album is very nostalgic. <laughs> Sometimes we don't do our homework a little bit. We just say things sometimes. From, from uh, New York City. From New York City. They're from New York. Okay, yeah. Mob Deep. That makes no sense. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we're just breaking out. Where are these guys from? <laughs> Forget the album. Where are you guys from? Right. Where are you from? I thought you were from, from LA or somewhere. But no. Nah, obviously, this is true hip hop. I mean, nostalgic in its own sense, indigenous to East Coast now. Um, but that that reaches across to to different realms of hip hop in different states and cities or whatever. So I think, man, this album, bro, the the way they storytell, the, the way that is, just, yeah, bro, they don't miss. The, it's whew, li- to be able to tell a story and it still be engaging and have like you know the the bars right behind it. Right. Like, I mean, some, you know, sometimes they don't, they don't even worry about the bars is straight lyricism. And I think that's was what the hip hop was, you know, the foundation of hip hop. Obviously you have your, you know, in and out, you know, mm-hmm. bar here, bar there, but lyricism was the, the foundation of hip hop. They had, they had both, but obviously I think they can still rap to this day. They were, they're very special that can, that reach and, and involve with, um, this this day and age in hip hop as well, but now nah, this was this was fire, especially that Ghostface Killer track. Man, Ghostface was different too. That's yeah, even that like it's just like it just feels like it's one of those it's one of those albums where like because I mean we're in the the fifty year anniversary of hip hop and looking back at every special album that we've had, um, this is one where it's just because like even the, the the fact of of a duo like when you can when you can coalesce so so well mm-hmm. and you can go back and forth and and. To me, like one doesn't overshadow the other. Like before, before we go to break, like like what are your thoughts on just when a duo doesn't overshadow the other one, and it's just like it's, they're just in sync, like they're just like really kind of going in step and equally distrib- you know, distributing like all of the lyrics and what they're trying to convey. We talked about this, I believe, last week. Last week, with, yeah, uh, yeah, with uh, duos, obviously that relationship. Obviously, they know each other. They've been around each other. They know it's 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 real genuine connection. Yeah. On top of them just being both talented, because you know some in some groups or whatever, somebody's better than the other one. Somebody raps a little better or does does stuff different. Like even a Wu Tang, to this day, I think Method Man was better than all of them. That's just me. I thought <laughs> like, Man was the best. And then it was ODB. Because he was different. Like, it was different. Yeah. Like, all of them brought a different element to Wu-Tang and rap and conscious rap. 
But Method when you when Method Man came on, like you, it was just smooth. And then ODB was aggressive, and he had the show show me show show me show. Like it was like a different type of tone yeah. that you never heard of in hip hop. So that's I mean. I, a lot of people gonna say uh, Ghostface and uh, uh, Riz. Even a lot of people think Rizzo was the best one, even though I thought he was just like <sighs> <laughs> that look. <laughs> <laughs> he might have started it, but he de- he like Otis. You know, Otis never oh, really yeah, yeah. sucked. <laughs> <or something. laughs> he never did that. <laughs> He was just there. He was just the foundation. He started it all. But <laughs> not saying Rizzo can't rap, but he just wasn't the best out of all 68 of them. <laughs> <laughs> he was top 60. He was top 60 for sure. He made, he the, cut. He made the cut for top 60. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting to our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and we're joined by a special guest, Trenton Morales, a good friend of the show. Uh, thank you so much for being back on, man. What's happening, y'all? It's always uh, always good to uh, to be back on with you guys at full skip, and uh, especially because it seems like uh, every time we jump on talking about Marvel, it's going to be a slanderous conversation. <laughs> Definitely. And, and, and to start with the overview, this film is the follow-up to Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was directed by Peyton Reed and written by Jeff Loveness starring Paul Rudd, Evangela Lilly, Jonathan Majors, and Catherine Newton. And in the film, Lang and Van Dyne are transported to the quantum realm, along with their family and face King the Conqueror. Had a budget of $200 million and brought in $376.5 million to the box office. Um, to you, Trent, to start it off, like, what were your initial thoughts on, you know, how this film starts off uh, Phase 5 of the MCU, you know, uh, w- w- with different elements in it, and just kind of also make, making people recognize how special of a character a King is? Yeah, man. So I think... Um... Well, first of all, that, that that line you just read is just, I mean, despite the issues that Ant-Man, this Ant-Man movie has, I mean, it brought in some, it's brought in some cash. I mean, it, it, it made money. And this is, yeah. and this, and this is kind of the thing, right? It's like, these things are going to continue to make money because people are going to always go see them, right? But, I, yeah. but what I feel like <laughs> is happening is that, and you know, we, we've done this enough times now between the three of us uh, talking about Marvel films over the last year and a half. I mean, I just feel like we're, we're we're just in this lull where like storytelling is just not really good in these films. It's not really deep and anything like that. But going into this film, I literally I, I remember texting you Wellington. I said I have the expectation that Jonathan Majors is going to own this movie, and sure yeah. enough, as soon as he yeah. got on screen, yeah. he owned this movie. Um, I mean, I would put him up there with like you know, any any I put him there against any villain that Marvel's had over the last twenty years. He's he's been he's right up there as far as presentation, as far as like you know, the stakes and all that stuff. Um, he really, you know, it, it, this is why I keep kind of holding out this hope of like maybe we'll get the story right, maybe we'll get something that's going to make us like you know be like oh man, like I can't wait to see what's happening next. Right, like, like we we haven't had that Infinity War moment in, in a, a long, long time. time. I'm like, man, what is going to happen? next right but yeah like going into it i i had expectation that um that jonathan majors is going to be great which i mean that, that guy's just on a roll right now i mean he's just stacking up the movie yeah. titles right now um it's, it's his season and, <laughs> yeah it, it is definitely sure. his season. um and, and sure enough like i walked away 
with that expectation immediately met. I mean, he, I mean, I think this whole was just a setup for who he's going to be over the next probably three, four, five years in this in this right. world of Marvel. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you say, Von, what were your initial thoughts on this film? You know, and how how this starts off um, a phase five of the MCU. I didn't have expectations for this film. I know a lot of people, a lot of critics were saying that it was, they thought it was going to be like Infinity War or have the same remnants of that. But I didn't, I didn't want it to do that because that was a whole different story. This is a whole different chapter of MCU. So I wanted it to be different. I think, I think it did do just that. I do agree. Some of the story, like it was like, you know, the intro was cool. It was funny, blah, blah, blah. And then how they just got into the quantum realm. I didn't really like it. I didn't like the lead up to getting there. Right. Um, and in some parts of the stories, I'm like, okay, they could have left that out or they could have developed that a little more. Um, I do think they did what uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder wanted to do. That's a good I'll give them that. Yeah. They did what they were trying to do because it, was, like, it, it wasn't trying to be overbearing, overbearingly funny. <clears throat> it had its moments where a joke kind of went over just a little bit, but it was enough room for it to do that. So I thought that was written well. It was just like certain parts of how they got in there, the kind of um, the sum up, just like, uh, yeah, it was just certain stuff they could have left out and kind of trimmed the fat, as we would like to say. But I thought overall, like I thought majors was going to be incredible oh, yeah. like his the, the amount of emotion that he brought to the Kane character that i don't see that i didn't see in the comic books like the crying the extra like it was like it was more so of a mad cry like you see the tears and the snot bubbles and stuff like that you know so i thought he brought <laughs> a different a different element that i see in the comic books to the character on the screen so yeah but Jonathan Majors was just, especially when he had all those characters, he's like going crazy. Like, yeah, yeah it was really yeah. funny. Like, yeah, yeah, it was dope. It, 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 it felt on par with the Ant Man film. Like, you know, yeah. it just, I mean, it, this is what you get with Ant Man on the screen. I mean, I think I heard somebody say it's like a YouTube like reviewer say this, but like, you know, Ant Man, you know, maybe looking back, he may, I don't know why they gave him a lead film. He's not a lead Avenger. You know, I think, mm. I think people, I think people are relying on Paul Rudd to like kind of carry the film, and um, because Paul, I mean Paul Rudd's good. I mean he, whatever he does is pretty good, right? But 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 the character itself just doesn't feel as interesting as like something like a Captain America or an Iron Man or anything like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, do you guys have thoughts about that? Like, I mean, like you know, I don't know. yeah. What do y'all think about that? I mean, Wellington, you want to take a stab at it, you want me yeah, to? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead, Wellington. Yeah, please. Yeah. And, and, do you mean in in terms of just like the significant? Like, like can can you rephrase that again? So basically, like it, it, it I feel like the character Ant Man, as it's been presented to us, is not worthy of having multiple leading films. lead role. Like, yeah, it's like, he doesn't feel like a lead Avenger. He doesn't feel like something that we need to keep exploring over and over again. Now, I know that the quantum realm and what's going on here with the story kind of ties into that. But it it feels like the... Yeah, it just feels like every time we keep coming back to an Ant-Man film, you know, it's just like, oh man, it's like, it's just something that's Is this the guy? Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of feel the same way too, because like we've seen in the past uh, of of multiple films of like Iron Man or, or Captain America where it felt like what was continuing on the storyline was significant yeah. and what we needed to see more of. 
obviously there have been some high moments for like, like, you know, early on in Thor, but later on it hasn't met the same criteria. I think with Ant-Man, that's a good point. Cause it's just like, there are certain points of like, is this the guy who needs to be carrying the torch as much as like the mainstays that we once right. had? That part I feel as though it is, is a, is a good point because there are certain points, there, there are just times where you just feel that lull of like, mm-hmm. is this, the, should he be the lead role? Is this really the guy we need to be putting up there to like, to carry on the MCU? So I'm just gonna, just gonna intervene. That's not what they're trying to do with Ant-Man, bro. It, the, he's, they're only got the solo films, obviously, to introduce the character and then interview, inter, introduce the quantum realm with Ant-Man and the Wasp and her being the Wasp, whatever. We already knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then for this, this was introducing more so Kang. Kang yeah. was the star of this film. That's the only way they could introduce him as extensive as it could because it's quantum realm, him yeah. being banished yeah. to this. What that's the only way they could do it. Like they tried a little bit with Loki. I don't think it would have been as potent as it was in within Loki. They had like a little bit, ten bit wow. of it. But any other Avenger, you couldn't introduce Kang in a way that would have been because you can't. Iron Man's dead. Captain right. America is ninety thousand years old. Thor, Love and Thunder was trash. Like so, that was the only way they could salvage and kind of introduce Kang in a way like we'll be excited about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Ant Man yeah. is definitely not a standard. Like you know, it's only three now. They, they didn't give him like six or seven. It's only like three Ant Man right. films. But so still, like three is significant. Three is three films. <laughs> but that it's, it carries the storyline. Then for it to make sense, obviously you get the mom back from the quantum realm and Ant Man and the Wasps. Now she's like it kind of ties him back to Kang. So like. I see the significance of having Ant-Man as a solo film, but I do agree that it shouldn't be, but that's how the MCE, MCU is kind of works, you know? Yeah. So after this, I don't think they'll get another film. Yeah. I, mean, I don't no think way. so. I mean, I mean listen, I, I, you know, I, I was, I was like, looking back on it, I wish, I wish Marvel just went ahead and killed him. Like no 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 no, 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 listen, no. listen 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 I'm I'm telling you man no, like it, it would have it would have changed like the tone of Marvel if you oh my had, gosh. if you would have had Kang just go ahead and take that guy out true dude I'm Trittin. telling you man listen listen are like, you upset the, <laughs> that sounds the, like the, the the stakes of Marvel are just too low right now. Raise the stakes! Oh my god! Like, like, listen, throw some hot sauce on this thing, man. Let's get this thing moving. <laughs> I thought Kane was the hot sauce. <laughs> but, uh, I thought Kane was the so sriracha, you know. But I said, but it just like I said, it, it just feels like at that moment, it's like you, you could have really like brought people in if you would have been like, yeah, like we're, we're gonna make you fear this guy from the jump. I mean, I think I think the three of us kind of, or you know, kind of, if you if you have any kind of like basic comic book knowledge, you know, that, okay, this guy's a bad dude, right? But yeah. And that, yeah. And that, and that, that last fight scene, I was like, like, do it, do it, do it, do it, right? Like, like, make us go ahead and feel the like the wrath of who you are right now. Mm-hmm. So, but they did. So, needless to say, we'll probably see him again at some point in the Avengers film, which he'll probably get killed <laughs> there anyway. So. 
friends of his. We gotta get his. He's watching. Somebody should have died. Somebody should have died. It should have been him. He should have got saved. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Wilson. But, but, but now I get into our first topic uh, from one of four stars. What would you give it uh, to, to you, Trent? Like, what would be your initial um, rating for this film and some of the reasons? I just know this is going to be terrible. Uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll with a two and a half. <laughs> Yo, first time Savon ever pushed the mic away. <laughs> Push the mic away, boy. A two um, and a half? Come on, yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, listen, man. Like, again, I mean... It, 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 <sighs> okay, all right. I just knew it. All right. Let me step, let me step off my, my little podium right here. Um, the, <laughs> the, the movie itself was... It, w- it was a fun time. Like, you know, like I said, it was what you would expect from an Ant-Man film. Um, right. Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. The cast itself was fine. And th- there was a moment watching it. I was like, it, it just feels like... You know, like what they were saying, the lines, the dialogue, it's kind of a real dry, real basic. I was like, man, there's got to be something more to this, right? And then, like I said, once Kang finally made it onto screen, I was like, okay. That was the depth. We're, we're making movement now. This movie is getting better because the stakes have been raised with this, right? So, I mean, truly, I mean, I think it, it really kind of helped bring the direction and bring this thing kind of full circle. Which is what I think, you know, t- to what you said earlier, Savon, like, this is what Thor Love and Thunder didn't have. Like, mm-hmm. there, were, there were no stakes in Thor Love and Thunder. It was just a sad superhero the entire time, right? What, what, did, you, what did you rate them? I can't remember what you rate Love and Thunder. Uh, it was lower than this. Was it a two that. and a half? It, no, no, it actually was, was like a one. I know, yeah, I it was Okay, we all dunked on that movie. Gotta go back to the files. Yeah, no, way. definitely. <laughs> yeah, Love and Thunder was so terrible. So okay, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, because yeah. it is a step up above. So okay, oh, never yeah. mind. Let me <laughs> let me let me reverse <laughs> that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good rating. That's actually a rating. Two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Alternate time. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. You like that? Nolan reference You know how to add a Nolan reference. Yeah, I yeah, like I, that. That I, was I, dope. I, I think two and a half is good. I mean, like I said, you know, Kang, yeah. Kang is great. Um, mm-hmm. Even like the, you know, I think we're going to get some more tie-in with Loki coming up soon, especially with the, the, the post-credits scene. I was like, okay, okay, okay. All right. It looks like we got some things moving forward, which is what I've been longing for from Marvel for a long time. So, right, go ahead. Yeah. Definitely, I, I I was I was going with three because I feel like the stakes, like you said, were definitely raised in this one, and also managed to, to, to deliver some human emotions, uh, and, and just what we saw Kane deliver, um, and just yeah. elevating the material and putting this in a realm altogether, it was just very fascinating. But but to you, Savon, uh, what would be your your initial rating for this film? I have to give it three stars. I like the introduction they did with Kane. Obviously. We got a lot of like fluff in the beginning. I still don't like the way it was introduced into how they got into the quantum realm. And um, <laughs> I do think it had a level of comedy that was really breath, like refreshing when it comes to writing, writing jokes that land. I think their jokes really landed really well. Um, and I think it tied into the character development as well, especially um, uh, what's his uh, Matt, Matt Dora or more dark or something, which Mordor. is Devin. Yeah. Matt, Matt, I thank you. Uh, which is uh, Devin, I thought was really good comedy, but I, I think for the most part, it was all about Kang. I love how they introduced him. 
the severity of that character. We got, I think we got like literally 20%. I think it was like when we talked about Dr. Strange and, um, um, Scarlet Witch, we got a glimpse of what the character really was. And I think that opens up, um, movie ideas to bring that more out I, i'm glad it didn't give us the full throttle of kang just yet they gave us a glimpse of what the character was because technically in comic books kang the conqueror is the out of all his variants or whatever they call him he's the strongest obviously that's why they they uh banned them into that type of corner room but now we get to see all the other characters that were there like the three-head monster the guys who were over everybody who did you call i called Debbie. Like at first, I was like, "Why is he talking like that?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he called everyone. So now I'm excited uh, about how strong these variants are. If that came, the Conqueror was really strong, and he right. brought that type of because he was like, "Bro, yeah, yeah the way he, he was did." Some folks, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, bro. And then when he jumped down. I was like, "Finally, we get to see." He was like, "Boom, boom, boom, killing everybody." He didn't care. And then the fight scene oh, right before oh, that, bro, you didn't want him killing everybody. Come on, say no. I, I'm he was killing. No, 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 no. That's different. No, 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 no. no. That's different. <laughs> they go. don't matter. They don't matter. They don't matter. But to kill Ant Man because he's going to tie into another film. He's not going to have a standalone film, but I think he's going to have a cameo in another yeah. film that's coming up. But I don't yeah. think they don't get another standalone film. I agree. This was it. After three, that's it. You introduce yeah. Kang. Kang get a standalone. Then you you get into that one. That's not true. You know what I mean? So yeah. But not three stars. And then I thought it was shot very, very yeah, you well. That a lot. Yeah. I yeah, thought it was yeah, shot very well. I would say well. it visually it didn't look as like I mean, outside of Modoc, I mean there were times I like when they, when they first put this funny. thing in, I was like, oh man, that's pretty bad. But but I mean but the character yeah, itself going is, to is, is very ugly in the comics. Right. Well. So I, I yes. That, right. So so it's it's a way of kind of like playing into like oh this character is meant to be look this way it's meant to look very distorted and terrible right yes uh, but yes but like as far as like the visual effects it looked good like it didn't yeah look, like CGI was, was pretty yeah, good it didn't look terrible at all mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. um and now getting into favorite character I mean like we 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 mentioned it, it, it's, it's just all Next it, it has to be king because he yeah he's right exactly at this point <laughs> i mean he, he, he's, he sets his imprint on, on the on the entire <laughs> movie and he's just such a decisive and self-important and important villain who has so much influence throughout um but but to you trend like even in totality of, of what king of just your your overall thoughts on what he did in this film uh what would it be and just you know the the, the major standouts for you it's just the way that the way that he commands the situation, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you saw it in you saw it in Loki, um, how he was yes. holding Loki and the variant. Um, Lady Loki, it's like like he had them in the palm of his hand. It's like you either have to go my way, or else it's going to break apart, right? Um, and then with you know this movie, you know like. It, it, there was a slight moment where it's like, is is Scott Lang going to trust him in doing this, right? And like, you know, I will give you this time back if you help me do this, right? And and I think you know we're we're gonna see more of that, like of that that just like persuasive nature of who Kang is and the way that he tries to sway people. I mean, it, it's it's kind of the same thing you saw with Thanos a little bit, right? Where he like like come to my side, like listen, I am trying to help redeem humanity, right? Like so, if I right. do this, then things will get better on this end as well, right? Now, obviously, we know the end game of all 
you know, no pun intended. The English right. is not yeah. that great, right? But um, not at but all. The, but like I think with Kane, it could probably be even more devastating because he's not just like a purple guy from outer space. I mean, he looks like us, right? He looks like a human. So, right. so he could just like come in and he could just like wax poetically and then, you know, all of a sudden devastation occurs. So I think, you know, with Kane, you know, with Jonathan Majors going forward, I think what we're going to see is just more of that, that commanding of the situation and also just really the, the flexing of the power, especially, like I say, if, you know, we see the stadium full of thousands of variants of Kane. It's like, okay, the, you know, there's no telling what kind of powers he's assembled in this one area, right? And different ways of who he is. So, yeah, it could be really fascinating. And I'm excited to see the future of this character going forward. Mm -hmm. And another thing for for me, Savon, that I think is like when you look at at King and then we look in the past at Thanos, the the impact that Thanos had, it was this physical, like overbearing type of character. And then with with King, he he still has that power as well, but he gets you mentally, almost like in the dark night we see with Bane and Joker, it's just two different impacts. Like, like to you, even mm-hmm. looking at King and even what we saw from Thanos, like what do you think the legacy of King will be compared to what we saw from, from Thanos um, years before? So th- we, we got the full uh, entity of Thanos before and after him being a great fighter, very smart. Then you have the stones. <clears throat> we didn't see the, the, uh, the severity of King, the conqueror, mm-hmm. as you, if you remember, he only, when she did the, the blow the thing up or whatever, I forgot what it's called. He got enough powers back to be still be strong. That wasn't his full strength, which is crazy. Right. He only got a, a percentage of that because he was still there. Now, if he would escape, then we would have saw the the full ongoing entity of who came the car. So we didn't even get a percent. We only got a percentage. He was killing. Yeah. Even the ants, like so, just like that, just. The room of just God, bro. Like, what if he would have got out? So now I'm yeah. with Trent. Like, maybe he should have killed it. Dude. <laughs> Trent was right. Because <laughs> I want to see. Now we probably have to see it through the variants, but I wanted to see the King, the Conqueror, why he was really banished. Because I think he, obviously, he's the strongest out of all of them. But man, we only saw a percentage of who he really was, right. which is crazy. And then obviously Thanos and <clears throat> Kang are two different two different boys because obviously you give Kang the Infinity Stones, it's over. Because oh, yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. Thanos could fight; he was a great warrior. But if Kang would have had the Infinity Stones, it would have been no. He would have, yeah, it would have been no no contest. Yeah, yeah, it, it is so much of like what Kang seems to kind of do is try to break apart the reality, right? He wants to break mm-hmm. apart the reality of what's going on around around you. Whereas yeah. like Thanos wants to wipe out the reality you live in, right? So mm-hmm. like so for Kane, it's all about like altering and like Thanos is like, no, I'm just going to just conquer. Like or not necessarily conquer, but like just like just totally wipe out. And, right, yeah. Right, that's and, all yeah. I want to do. Right. That's it. So it's it, 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 one is I think you nailed it down that like one's just way more methodical and one's just way more like brute force, right? Yes. And so, but but it also too. <laughs> like I think I think we we're gonna see Kane with brute force as well, and yes, no telling what we're gonna see with that. I'm excited because if we're, if we're different, if we're different alternate alternate realities, like are we gonna get like like this like the the evil Doctor Strange pop up once again? 
wrecking crap Ooh. all over the place, right? I mean, I, you know, we're going to get different variants of these superheroes that have like gone rogue and turned bad. Like, I mean, there's no telling what we're going to see when we get into yeah. this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting to, to our to our next topic, most people scenes. I had uh, Hank's uh, advance and army also traveling to the quantum realm of a brief history of Kane, uh, Castle Lang versus Moda, first encounters of the quantum kind. Also, Scott and the probability storm, and then finally uh, the, the final battle. Um, so, you trend. What were some of your memorable scenes in, in this one, and, and maybe uh, the, the parts that that stood out the most? Yeah, I, I mean, I think about that. The, prob- the, the probability scene was re- actually it was a really like I remember as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is actually a really well thought out scene um, because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've seen it, you know, for so you know, for those who don't know, like I have a history of pest control, right? So I've I've had to work and kill and spray bugs for many many years, right? Before I, I'm in my current role, I'm in, and like literally, like I so I've seen how ants can kind of like work and do the things they do. So that you know, you, so I've kind of seen how they like stack each other up, like how we saw in the movie, right? So to see that kind of play itself out, it just it just it kind of showed like somebody knew what they were doing when they wrote that scene, right? So yeah. seeing him kind of <clears throat> assemble the power of what he has at his disposal was just really cool, right? And I think the um, man, that that final fight scene between Kang and um, and Ant Man was pretty pretty yes. brutal. Like wow, I mean, that was dope. I, just just the the sheer ferocity of who Kang was was on full display. Um, mm. Yeah, that was a pretty, pretty great like one-on-one fight scene in that movie. Definitely. Um, so, so you say, Von, what were some of the memorable scenes that that, that kind of stood out to you the most? When they um, obviously you guys pick all the good ones and leave me the scraps, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, one of the ones I really liked was, <laughs> and it was funny. It like it had that good comedy in their role. Like it was subtle. When they were, when he had to dive in and get the, um, I always forget like the technical names for these. We had to get the thing that can shrink yeah. and make things big. He yeah. went in there, and then he started like, "Who are you? I'm the original." And then the die from <laughs> Baskin Robbins shows up. Baskin Robbins shows up. <laughs> the, oh my goodness, <laughs> bro! I lost it, especially when it was yeah. like everybody, everybody, put him up, put him up, put him up, put him up, and then he stopped. He was like, <laughs> "Bro, it was the funniest. It's so one funny. of the funniest scenes, bro." But I thought that was good. Like it was just like adding that humor. Yeah, added that humor, the break into it, and then you get back serious, man. That scene was really dope. Obviously, yeah. um, Wash coming in and saving, yeah, um, Scott Lane for getting his butt whooped even more. <laughs> um, I liked when uh, ooh, what's another? It was another good scene. Oh, see, I'm always picking out the comedy one. When uh, D- is it Darren? Daryl? Um, Darren, yeah. Is it Darren? When he was just about to die, he was like, "I did die, a ho." He was like, "I died an Avenger." Avenger. He was like, mm. <laughs> "All right, that's one way to put it." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, you did." He was like, uh, uh, uh. "But I liked the way how they showed how he was created." I was like, I thought that was really funny. But no, yeah, those scenes were really dope. Obviously, the other ones y'all said, especially that fight scene, I was like, bro, Man. Kang is a dog. Yes. But Scott didn't give up, though. He Scott was up. coming he back. Didn't he didn't give up. up. Nope. But if she yeah. would have never came, he would have been dead, Wait, Trent. You would have been Man, dead. Trent was right. Man, we were, we, were, we were totally off. <laughs> we were this close. We were this close. He was this close to going. And then she came out and I was so ready for him to die, man. I was like, he's he's dead. He's just dead. 
See, but that's that's something else in there, Trent. I don't know why you want him to die so bad. <laughs> There's something else in there. There's something else in there. <laughs> There's something else. So it's idle. There's something else in there. <laughs> something in the way. I don't know. Something, something else in there. He's like, man, he should have died. He would have died a hero, though. He would have died a hero that nobody would have known about because nobody thought he was going. Nobody knew. They thought he was Spider Man. No, that's another scene. Oh, that's another scene. <laughs> That was pretty good. He's like, I got you wrong. You the guy that gets small and big with the ants. That's twelve dollars total. Twelve dollars. Okay, right, got it. Like California coffee, boy. Man. Man. Oh, never ever will I drink coffee that's twelve dollars. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Never. Energy drink. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and now getting to most memorable quotes I had I can give that to you time I'm from Kang also I don't have to win mm-hmm. we just both have to lose from Scott also my life really doesn't make sense from Scott um, also we're going to get out of here she's going to open a door and you'll be here you'll be there from Kang and then finally I told you time isn't what you think from Kang uh, to, to you Trin what were some of the quotes uh, that, that you thought were kind of like the most impactful in, in, in this one and it just you know really uh, uh, worked efficiently yeah I mean um, is it I'm, I'm actually reading this um, this line right here. This, I think this is another one of these funny lines, right? Where he's like, "You made a big mistake. I'm an Avenger." He's like, "Oh, you're and the king's like, I'm. A, oh, you're an Avenger. Have I killed you before?" And Scott's like, "What?" Mm. They all blend together after a while. You're not the one with the hammer, are you? <laughs> and Scott's like, "That's <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Because he <laughs> has gone against other Avengers in different yeah. timelines. Yeah, but, but he's like, oh, that's Thor, similar body type, right? So again, just like just a way of extrapolating, <laughs> kind of keeping it off balance, right? Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I think the you know the big the big the big quote he had about time was just really interesting. As again, mm-hmm. it lays out his aspirations, Set right? That he's just mm-hmm. there to alter you know, to alternate the reality with which you live in. So, and in doing that, you're going to have to, he's going to try to bring you in on what he's doing, right? So, you know, if, if, if he sees that you have the skill, if he sees that you have the ability to kind of like give him what he needs, then you're going to be of a service to him, right? So in this case, it's like, right. oh, if you go to this area, you can unlock my ship for me, right? You can undo this, you can do that, right? So it's all about what can you do to benefit him, right? Um, and uh, and I think we'll we have not seen the end of that whatsoever. Definitely. Um, so you say, Vaughn, what were some of your your memorable quotes in, in, in this one overall? <clears throat> all of, all the the quotes I had came from like the beginning stages of uh, when they introduced the Kang with um, Janet. One was like, "Who is Kang? Who I have to be?" Like, and that's that was it had so many like underlining things so many because. Underlining. Him going to in the comics, him going to different uh timelines, he became multiple people. He went by several names. So him saying who I have to be, that's the strongest one. He got I think forgot when he started when he okay, he went back to the twenty he's supposed to go back to the twenty first century, then he jumped ahead, and that's when he actually conquered the world and he became King the Conqueror. So who I have to be. So it's just like that's who. Yeah. So I thought that was really dope line that it kind of like gave a little nuggets to the the comic books or like you know Barrett comes to the comic books and obviously the other one was like when Jenna was like you'll be wiping out entire timelines, murdering tr- murdering trillions of people and he really just said I wish that mattered, Janet. 
Man. Like, that's how I knew, like, buddy, buddy's off, yeah. His, yeah. off the record scale. Yeah. Buddy's crazy. Buddy don't care. Buddy's about their life. So, and that was like the good foreshadowing of what who he really was as a as, as a character. And then to see glimpses of that with him just going jumping down and going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I thought those were very good quotes. Definitely. Um, and now getting to kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, you know, to me, just how it steers um, you know, a larger narrative on track and, and kind of you know keeps characters who are already beloved mm-hmm. kind of utilize them better for, for the next phase of the MCU. I, I, I thought it was yeah. an interesting move. Um, to, to you, Trent, what particular element of this storyline did you kind of like the most? Um, yeah, so it, it, there's one thing that I've, I feel like I've kind of said multiple times when we've done these reviews around the, like the, the last phase of Marvel. Um, actually, probably the last like two or three years of Marvel. I think so much of what we've gotten so far has just been like laying groundwork, right? And I feel like we weren't getting kind of like any forward movement on story. So to actually kind of finally see a movie that kind of pushes the story forward was just great, right? I'm like, oh, like we're getting somewhere now. Like we've spent time laying this groundwork. You know, if you know if you if you don't know what's going on with the the alternate realities, that's on you. You need to go watch some you know watch a bunch of TV shows and movies. But basically yeah. like the groundwork has fi- has finally been laid <clears throat> and we can finally move forward with something like you know, like you know, Wellington. What was it? You know, this past fall when they were announcing all the things coming out over the next few years, it's like, okay, this is right. this is you're getting the excitement kind of back up, right? Excitement's coming back, but right, yeah. but because <clears throat> I mean, let's just be honest, guys. And, and I think, I think what I feel about Ant Man, you know, kind of like to to open myself up about my feelings about what I said earlier, right? I think, I think I'm just kind of like, you know, I think because because of how endgame brought that story to a close and it felt so satisfying it's like mm-hmm. this like this era of movies was just i mean yeah did it have its little hiccups for sure there's no doubt about that right but it was just so like it was so rewarding to see how that story got finished and i just feel like right now it's kind of like man it just feels like a fatigue until i left the theater that day where i was like okay I don't feel tired of a of another kind of like middle of the range movie. I feel like we got something to kind of push us forward with, you know, looking forward to how is Kang going to wreck this entire world in universe. So, so for me, you know, the story itself, all that, I'm just like kind of getting the backstory on who he is, and now we get to move forward um, into whatever is next coming for us. So, which I think is Guardians of the Galaxy. So we'll see. That, yeah, mm-hmm. in May. Yeah. Um. To to, to you, Savon, what particular element uh, uh, of this storyline uh, did you kind of like the most and resonate with? I really don't have to say anything. You guys made two excellent points, <clears throat> and I'm I'm being so serious. Wellis, and your point was phenomenal. That was exactly what I was going to say. And then Trent, your point of how it is moving, that's basically all they're doing with this movie is moving it forward and getting people ready. Now we get Guardians in the Galaxy, which is my favorite series. I mean, I'm a huge gun fan. So, um, but yeah, man, y'all said it all. I'm just going to shut up um, and get to it if it's watchable for 10 years. But yo, hats off to you guys, bro. And I'm not joking, bro. Excellent points, man. Excellent points. I don't have to say nothing for the first (laughs) 
first time first time when it goes to start that's a moment that's a moment <laughs> and i was in my head i was like well it's in you always steal my stuff and then soon as trend was talking about like finally like how an end game ended obviously and then this is just like moving it forward like okay here we go Kane. Like, cause you know, with Doctor Strange, here I'm talking about it, so I just justify. But <laughs> Doctor Strange and Love and Thunder were like, all right, bro. Like, okay, those are all right. But now we get Ant Man, we get King now, and it just moved. Even the Eternals, ugh, boo. Well, I mean, well, he, 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 even Black Panther really didn't move the story forward. I mean, I mean it they, did. Yeah, in, in, in a way, the it other, did. yeah, yeah. For yeah. now, we get two villains that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll yeah. get more of um uh uh ooh, forgot a name. Anybody gonna help me here? Oh <laughs> Black Panther, the villain. Sorry. Um oh, the villain. No, no, no. Oh, um, um see? Oh I'm thank over God. I'm over <laughs> oh, what's his name? Oh, oh my oh, gosh, I got uh, um Neymar. Yeah, Neymar, right? Neymar, Neymar yes. Yeah, Name where, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So we get two new villains that I'm really excited about. Anywho, but great, excellent points is what I'm trying to continue to say. Yeah, and I mean, even before we get to the last point, you already mentioned Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we also have um, the Marvels, Daredevil, Born Again, mm-hmm. Captain America, New World Order, mm-hmm. um, and then finally, and we get, and we get Ironheart soon as well, too. Yeah, yes. yeah, and also Blade. Like to you guys, either one of you can start first. Is is there one movie or maybe two coming up that you you're like really looking forward to the most? Daredevil. Yes, <laughs> I love him at Matt, Matt Murdock, bro. I used to watch that series, and when they stopped it, I'm like, bro, what are y'all doing? He's one of the best yeah. Daredevils we'll so ever good. have. So good. Come on. Yeah, I'm 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 super ready for Daredevil. I I just yes. love I love those grounded takes on these superheroes, man. I mean, because he he has to kind of work and and he has to work and be a hero outside of his limitations. And yes, I, I, right. I I just love how they handle that series so well. I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio is terrifying as Kingpin. Yes, yeah, he's so excellent, bro. So good. He's so I mean, excellent. So I'm super ready for Daredevil. And, and, and listen, I, I'm ready to see a good Fantastic Four. You know, yeah, I, know I know that's a ways down the road, but I'm ready to see that, right? Um, yeah, I think just... I'm going to get on yeah, Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, keeping it in this, like, this little piece. Yes. <clears throat> I'm super excited for Daredevil to come out. Yeah. How many times are we going to get a new reboot of Fantastic <laughs> Four? In a, in a a time? I am tired. <laughs> but, hey, Savon, um, I want you to go out to Hollywood and, uh, <laughs> and put a picture of uh, Michael B. Jordan as uh, Johnny Flash on his, new, <laughs> on his new star. Like, never forget. What a terrible Johnny Flash. I never saw that movie. I was like, I remember, I remember hearing how bad it was. I was like, I'm never going to watch this film. Bro, it was terrible. They keep <laughs> trying to reboot it. Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's gonna be terrible. I just know it. They're gonna cast somebody. Just, I just know it's it. that feel like this is this is gonna yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we're gonna get a new director. It doesn't matter who you get. Jesus was come down and take the form of a man again and direct that film. It's still gonna be trash. <sighs> but anywho. <laughs> Well, uh, Guardians well, Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, yeah, yeah. I was like, what, what are you looking forward to, Saint Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for sure. Um, obviously Daredevil, Daredevil. Uh, and then Blade. I want to oh. see 
how Ali portrays it because he has some shoes to fill. Because Wesley Snipes was a save Marvel in a, it, just whole entirely save Marvel just in a tap. I like yeah. Wesley Snipes as a blade. I like Blade from Blade Trinity. So I'm I'm interested in seeing what Ali brings to that character. He's gonna he's taller, obviously. He's taller than uh Wesley Snipes, more slimmer than Wesley Snipes, even though he doesn't have the same build. So I'm I'm interested in what what can he bring to that character that he got yeah. the job. So well, I was literally gonna say Daredevil before you mentioned Blade, but Blade is up. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. it, 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 remind me is didn't Blade come out before like the original X Men films? Was that yes. late nineties? Yes, yeah, yeah, late nineties. Yes. Yeah, the first so, one did for sure. Yeah, yeah. So they had like they had the you know, they were pushing Marvel before it was even popular to push Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy, absolutely. Um, and now getting to our last topic, two years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? And this is obviously a question we always always happen especially like with these newer marvel films it's an open-ended one because there are so many things that can affect it going forward but but to you trend how do you feel this movie will age uh, another decade from now i mean the introduction of kang does yeah. a lot for you. <laughs> it, 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 it really does a lot that saves I mean, us a little bit yeah i mean you know i i, I wonder like yeah it, it's, it's always it's always interesting to kind of handle this like especially when something is so fresh right but we don't even have like the end pieces like in you know in in hand like you know if we were reviewing something like a like interstellar right obviously we are almost right. 10 years removed from that and we still watch interstellar today right so it is nine hours long <laughs> but but like you know some, some, something like this like i think though it's just it's just going to be and, and i may sound redundant when i say this but it's, i think it all comes down to how the, how is the story going to wrap up and finish itself right what i think will really kind of carry and help us see like does this movie really kind of fit in well with what's going on right so yeah i think as far as the introduction point for kang i think it's absolutely going to be critical um but also too it also depends on how the next you know two three four years play out after this um you know this could really this could really begin a run of like another good run of movies or it could just you know lead off to be you know probably a good a good lead off and then like yeah we, we, they might miss tomorrow you know we just don't know what we're gonna see so uh so so i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna take uh the the other road to say uh tbd right you know to be determined uh what, what is gonna be really uh hold up over the decade in time definitely um so you say von uh to close it out 10 years from now how do you think uh this will <clears throat> age and, and just certain ways it was put I think it would age well, obviously the, the King standpoint of that character being introduced. And I think when it comes to directors, Peyton Reed is, I think is one of the most underrated directors because he, that's why that, you know, humor element is in there because he's directed. Yes, man, bring it on um, the breakup. It's a couple other ones that he did. He obviously does serious films too. So he has that, <clears throat> that, that, that sense of, real raw and authentic humor that that you can implement within obviously the writers but as a director i'm pretty sure most of this stuff was uh freelance and um uh what's the other word i'm looking for uh well it did you are terrible today (laughs) gosh bro this is why i'm your counterpart like bro come on you are a variant of me well yeah you're man i've been over three i've been over three (laughs) No, uh, improv. There we go. 
Right. A lot of improv because Paul Rudd loves to improv. Obviously, yeah. Saturday Night Live and other stuff yeah. like that. You know, you know, there's a bunch of other characters that like to imp- improv too. So, ten years from now, storyline introducing Kang. I think Payne Reed is an uh, exceptional director, and I mean Paul Rudd. I mean he's crazily funny. And then this just what Trent said moves everything along. You can't forget what moved everything along. Moses can't forget Moses because he moved everything. No, I tell you, I got stuck in the wilderness for forty years. <laughs> Don't do me like that. Don't do Moses like that. He's standing guess, on a mountaintop. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry I, I guess this is the last good question. But with Jonathan Majors also having Creed three, is is there any way he can outdo what he did in King, or is it going to be one of those things where King is just like the superior one? Okay, well, here's the deal. Here's how I approach the Rocky. I approach the Rocky series like I approach like James Bond. And like uh, other films of kind of that nature, like I don't have any expectation for for Rocky films. I don't like. I mean, and, and not saying I don't enjoy them. I do. I really do enjoy them. But I don't go to Rocky for like superb story writing or storytelling or anything like that. I'm just going to watch cool fights and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, James Bond. I want to see stuff get blown up. I want to see cool guns, cool cars, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but uh, but I don't know, man. The, the, I'm interested to see the dynamic of Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors on screen together. Like, I'm like that's going to be a lot of fun. But also, too, like you know, like you know, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen, I haven't watched too much of Jonathan Majors. I watched a little, I watched a little bit of the uh, what was the TV show he was on with Jordan Peele? Um, that was on HBO. Um, ah, oh, I. I, I... You know, you know, yeah, yeah Lovecraft yeah. Country, Lovecraft yes. Country, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I got one, yeah, I one did, for four. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't finish the series, but I mean, I yeah, came away like, oh, this guy's actually, he's a pretty great actor, right? Mm. And he, he kind of has the same presence that Michael B. Jordan has really developed over the years of like being that lead guy on screen. So it's gonna be interesting how that how that dynamic works with those guys, right? Um, but I mean, it is a tall task. To overthrow Kang right now, this moment. But we'll, what do you we'll, think, Savon? We will see. I think it will be close because just just looking at the previews and the amount of motion like he brings to characters, I think that's what like even with Heart, Heart of the Fall it was a lot of emotion. Yeah, um, I need to see that one. Yeah, Kang like it was the subtle cry. Like it was just like the amount of emotion he brings to characters, and I think this will be. No different, but like yeah, I do say, like Trent says, it's going to be hard for him to top that performance. But I think he can do it because he, I think he's topped every performance he's been in so far. I think Kang is like out of obviously the the top tier, but I think he can he could do some because well, he has will, a bunch of other movies coming out too. I will say, Ron Tomatoes love Creed three more because they already gave it a ninety one percent, and they gave oh, it yeah, really? wow. <laughs> yeah, they gave it a high like that's a high rating because the high, first Creed, the, the first Creed got ninety five percent. Shout out to Michael B. Jordan was direct. Uh, yeah, direct, director, 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 Yeah, man, how about that? I'm Good excited for, for it. Definitely. Well, Trent, thank you so much for being on, and it's just always, a, always a pleasure chopping up with you. Absolutely, guys. I, I look forward to doing this every time, and hopefully, we'll do it again soon. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, on my counterpart, Save by Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.